0: Welcome to episode 29 of the Recommended Experiences podcast, where three working professionals talk about the video games, movies, and TV shows that they love to enjoy in their free time. I'm your host for today's episode, Alex. And in case uh, I'm an unfamiliar voice to you, it's because I wasn't uh, on last week's episode where uh, the podcast had its very first special guest appearance. A uh, friend of the show, Ariel, came on to talk with Ariel. Or excuse, I'm gonna edit this. To talk <laughs> with Matt and Tiffany about their favorite movies from the past decade. <laughs> and speaking of Matt and Tiffany, they're my co-hosts for today, and I'll let them introduce themselves.
1: Hey, <laughs>
2: listen, if I f up my intro, we have to like redo it, and you're like, I'll just edit it out. <laughs>
0: Hey, the the hopefully the listeners don't know when it needs to be edited or not. I guess that'll be a sign of how good my uh, editing skills are in post. But yeah, wanted to shout out, Ariel, thanks for coming on to the show. Hopefully we'll have you on in future episodes when the time is right and when you're willing to be on the show. But with that, we'll be moving on to the topic of today's episode. And I'm calling it the power of music. And so, in general, the uh, prompt I gave my co-hosts here today to talk about are the pieces of music, you know, soundtracks, themes, sound effects, whatnot. Anything that, you know, lays and sounds like heaven upon your ears. Mm. Um, and uh, the things that they want to bring up from, you know, media in general, games, TV shows, movies that they thought really stuck with them over the years and something they really enjoyed and or things that they thought really improved or kind of made uh, the experience. So whether it was like a particular scene or maybe a game soundtrack overall and kind of the ambiance it it provided to the uh, total experience. And to start off, and for me, I think uh, the listeners might notice kind of a trend with a lot of the pieces I'll mention here today. But the first one I want to mention, and it's the most recent, at least to me, that stuck around, is the intro to The Mandalorian.
1: Ooh. Oh, yes.
0: And in in particular, more so than anything, more so than even The Child, I think the intro to The Mandalorian really set that show apart for me uh, as having that kind of memorable, you know, intro tune, you know, very kind of low drum, low bass tone, very Mm. slow paced Um, (laughs) people might call it like methodical, right? That kind of sound. And it really set the tone for me about, you know, the, the main character, right? The Mandalorian himself, as well as kind of the pacing that the show goes through, right? With kind of having these episodic stories and kind of us taking this journey with the Mandalorian, you know, over his two season arc. And it's, yeah, it's something that I really appreciated and I didn't expect, you know, obviously kind of coming off of these, uh, Digital or like produce shows for streaming services, you know, like Netflix, like HBO Max, like Disney Plus, that this was kind of one of the few shows that has really stuck with me and kind of la- gave a lasting impression.
1: I also think that that theme song is very iconic and I can literally hum it out. In fact, I tried while you were talking, but I didn't get very far.
2: I, I noticed. You, like, didn't stick with it. You're like, ah, oh, it's yeah. over.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was the, like, I can't do the, the like, weird guitar sound or whatever. It was strumming, but anyway. The thing I
2: like about the Mandalorian soundtrack, or I guess the theme song, is that it really doesn't have that many similarities to other Star Wars songs. And so, in its own way, it was just, like, so separate from the rest of the Star Wars universe uh, I really loved it and when you watch all these episodes and then you basically you get to see some of the concept art with the credits in the end and you're still listening to this great music oh it's just so good can't wait for season two
1: you mean season three
2: that's what I meant oh yeah
1: I guess wait is it season wait. two or season three because like season one and two or it was or like episode eight book two? And not, you know... book
2: two book two yeah yeah uh, maybe book something two. weird something weird to it
1: yeah my bad apologies matt you know your stuff and i
2: just no i think you're right i I think we're all right you know
0: (laughs) all right matt how about you
2: yeah uh so actually just when you started bringing up the mandalorian i remember um another show that its title sequence is really iconic to me and i wish i shared this with you guys because i don't think either of you have watched this uh money heist which i've talked about on the show one of my Favorite things of twenty twenty. Did I ever tell you about the time that my neighbor listened to Watch Money Heist?
1: Yes. Alex, you you were in the middle of the night. Didn't wasn't it on the show? Was it on the show that you talked about how I think it was on the show where you talked about how like they were just being loud, you know, like or they're occasionally loud, and then but then one night you heard them watching Money Heist, and you're like, okay, I accept you.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. After binging that show, and I don't binge shows binging that show and like having such an emotional tie to all those characters, the music in that, in that show is amazing. Uh, Bella Chow is a song that they sing throughout, uh, throughout everything. Of course, this is like a Spanish show. Uh, everyone should go watch it. It, the fifth season is coming out in 2021. Netflix just confirmed. So you guys have some time to watch the first four. Uh, but just kind of being upset with my neighbors and then realizing that they're watching, episodes of uh, money heist was like all right I see you and I'm like okay they're getting to the end of the episode maybe they'll go to bed and then you hear the theme song again you're like I I get it I get it you (laughs) want to get another episode in I I respect it like I hate you a little bit right now but like I respect it
1: (laughs) yeah that's so funny
2: all right Tiffany
1: yeah I'd be remiss if I didn't speak of the wonderful music the iconic avengers theme songs composed by Alan Silvestri, the song that I'm talking about is spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for Endgame. Mm. Okay. So this scene when we hear Falcon tell Cap on your left and the portals start opening and you just hear the music, That's the song is titled Portals, but you're just like, the drums, like, like I can't even... It's so good. And then it slowly turns into the Avengers theme, which to me, the Avengers theme song is very iconic in mm-hmm. the last, like, you know, five years or so. So it really, like, brought everyone on screen together, brought a giant battle to the forefront, and the music mm-hmm. just, like, tied it all in. And, you know, I, I, like, tear up a bit when I see... Black Panther walk out, and then, like, even freaking Peter Parker is, like, coming out and, you know, hugging Iron Man, saying, so like, oh, my God, like, Mr. Stark, it was so crazy. Mr. Stark, you, like, you were there, and then you weren't there, and then I was here, and then the wizard said we had to come, you know what I mean? Like, and the music playing mm-hmm. in the background, just, I loved it. So many emotions.
2: Marvel does such a good job, and one thing that I think about, because, you know, We've done a couple peer reviews. You should go watch our peer review about WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Both great. We've kind of been in this almost hiatus of Marvel content that yes. has slowly been tearing away and now we're really getting back into the thick of it. But when you're watching these shows, you're sitting down on your couch yeah. and then you mm. hear bum, but bum bum, bum, bum. You know, like the Marvel is looking, you're seeing Marvel come yeah. out on the screen. Like that sound of everything coming together, it's almost like a seal of quality. It's like, okay, we're in for a good time. Like, this is going to be quality.
0: You know, and if I'm being honest with the whole portal sequence, I think I was just too emotional at the scene to even have remembered what the soundtrack was during that time. And I, I listened back to it because, you know, and for listeners out there, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, we won't be including any of the audio that we mentioned here today just for copyright purposes. Uh, but, you know, in case you guys are interested to listen to these, a lot of these are available, you know, on, uh, you know, streaming services of your choice, Spotify, YouTube Music, SoundCloud. You know, so urge you to go out and search and listen to these things on your own time. But listen, like I said, Tiffany,
2: Tiffany might hum all of these for our listeners. Let's not sell her short. All right, Uh, maybe, maybe, but you
0: can't be so close that we get (laughs) copyright strike later.
1: I almost wanted to talk the the drum beat that happens like in the beginning of the song of the sequence for the portal song. Uh I it's like dun 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 dun, and then like it just like oh god. How, How was your guys's
2: movie theater experience though with that song? Because when I was in the movie theater. People were cheering and clapping. I missed it. Like, I was like, kind of like what Alex was alluding to, like, very, like, this was so much emotion that went into this, and like, 23 movies have gone to this point, but like, people are like, standing up and clapping and cheering, and it wasn't really until I got to watch it later uh, that I I realized there was actually a really good score there, <laughs>
0: You yeah, know, I was just personally overwhelmed with emotion, so I did not remember it at all. Like I listened to it as I mentioned as I kind of cut myself off there, listened to it again, I'm like, I don't remember this at all. Like I remember the scene very vividly, but the sound, I'm like, I guess you could have told me, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants was playing over that scene and I wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> Mhm
1: um in my theater there were like claps and stuff no one was really like i mean everyone was actually pretty respectful because we wanted to hear audio so it's not like i was like Shh, shush like i can't hear what they're saying you know what i mean like it was all like gasps and yeah. like claps so but yeah i i've watched endgame enough to know that song almost by heart so if- <laughs> or like recognize it anyway like if i hear it in the distance i can literally tell you like at what point in the scene mm. Like that beat is coming on. So if we
2: want to talk about Marvel though, the best song fight combo has to be in Thor Ragnarok with the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. Like the Ah like that one. Yeah. Like where he has the like like he's just going mad. Honestly, it's probably my favorite scene. That and the elevator scene in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, best scenes. All of the MCU. And it's one of those scenes that, you know, like you you go on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And like, there's random like posts like, Oh, look at this scene. Like, it's like a, a scene from a movie of the past. Every time I see that scene, I will watch the entire thing start to finish because I'm like this, this is good. How they bring an old song that most people know, whether or not they know who sings it or not. Like everyone recognizes that song and then put it into this awesome universe. Love
1: it. You know, I'm going to piggyback off that because one of the other scenes that's from Marvel that you literally just inspired me or reminded me of Mm -hmm. is the scene in Spider-Man Far From Home when Happy picked up um, Peter Parker and Peter's making his new suit. And that song comes on that like it's like in Iron Man 1 and like you're watching Peter make his suit with a black T-shirt scruffy happy plays a song i can't name it because all i know is that the wrong thing is that peter's like oh my god i love acdc and it's like it's not acdc do you guys already know what i'm talking about (laughs) um like like that was a joke of the the show or the scene it's like he was so young that he didn't realize who actually sang it but it's that iconic dun, dun 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 dun
2: Oh man! You know
1: what I'm talking How about. How could though, we right? not
2: oh. know what that is? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I don't think we need to worry about copyright. <laughs> Something tells me, you know.
1: Oh my god! But like, do you guys understand the scene that I'm talking about and recognize that it was an Iron Man song that they? I've only used? seen that
2: movie once.
1: I home. can't, Alex. You
0: know? Do you know what I'm? I don't remember that song, but a song that I do remember and the <laughs> next one I want to mention is from near Automata, um, and in particular, it is the City Ruins theme, and this is a song I linked to my co-hosts. I don't know if they've had a chance to take a listen to it or not, but in particular, uh, the City Ruins theme from near Automata and what I want to point out and why it's so memorable to me in a game that you know I loved, definitely... Game of the Year Contender 2017. You know, that was the same year Persona 5 came out, original. And that was also Game of the Year Contender, easy. Uh, but what's special about, and also great soundtrack too. I'm not, I'm not, it's not something I will bring up in particular, but Persona 5, amazing soundtrack. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting about New Automata is that, uh, in particular, for the game, they actually came up with their own language. And the language that they dub it is called chaos language. And basically the premise behind the chaos language for the game was that it's a mixture of a bunch of different languages. Uh, so in particular, I noted in a um, interview I saw with one of the singers uh, that did the vocals for some of the, the songs in the game, she mentioned they incorporated words from Icelandic, French, English, Japanese, uh, you know, Swedish, German. And it's just this, weird combination of you know, you, know, you know a global setting of languages with this kind of orchestral backdrop that kind of lends itself to this kind of soft you know post apocalyptic world where it's like oh you know human civilization is on its last legs right there you know androids are roaming the earth robots machines are roaming the earth and it lends to this idea of you know it's this kind of culmination of humans like last remnants and it just leaves this weird kind of vibe that as you're going through, you know, these destroyed city runescape, a la the title City Ruins, and just seeing kind of the remnants of human civilization, just listening to this haunting kind of track in the background with basically unintelligible language, you know, layered on top of it, that it just stuck with me as, man, that was a game that, you know, had amazing gameplay And it really begged you to pay attention to the gameplay, right? Because it's, you know, platinum level combat, a lot of fast paced combos, fast action. But all the meanwhile, you had this track in the background that I really remembered and clung on to as making it kind of a game that I always go back to and say, Hey, are there video game soundtracks that you, you know, would recommend? And I'm like... Yes, this soundtrack, you don't need to even know the game at all. Like, you can just listen to Nier Automata soundtrack by itself, and I think it it holds up.
2: It's definitely a game series that people tell me that I should play, never have played it. So when I listened to that, I was like, hmm, it, like, sounded good. I just had no context to it whatsoever, which it helps a little bit (laughs) with that context. (laughs) But I know some people back home, are going to be, like, just dying to know that the song in Spider-Man Far From Home was actually Back in Black by AC/DC. And he goes, I love Led Zeppelin, which makes sense. Oh,
1: so it is ACDC. <laughs> yeah. But it's... <laughs> oh, okay, my bad. Um. um oh, yeah, Back in hilarious. Black, that's it. That's the song. Well, but, kind of... you know, what other song... <laughs> It's really meaningful. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Westworld, the HBO show that I'm eagerly waiting for another season for. I think season four. I'm hoping that it comes out this year, maybe next year. But basically the theme song for Westworld, which is a show about androids and how androids were having uprising because they have, you know, they're very high tech and have feelings now, et cetera, et cetera. Very good show. Check it out. The first two seasons are great. Season three was kind of a letdown. But there's a piano or this orchestral theme in the beginning that's like da 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 da, da, da. like that <laughs> is like the piano is just so like smooth. like it's like kind of soothing or like very like memorable and when i hear that when I'm watching the show, because I'm like, oh my god, I need to watch another one. And then I hear that right before the episode actually begins, I get excited. Because I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get more story, I'm gonna get more exposition, I'm gonna get more character development. Like that's what, whenever I hear that theme song, I, mm-hmm. I get excited, you know, I get excited for my next like hour of story time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just thought it was a very beautiful song. Um, yeah. So,
0: I never watched Westworld, but I did take a peek at the intro and in, in addition to the intro sequence, I think that song in particular in combination with that opening is very impactful. Yes. Cuz I and I think it gives very similar vibes to Neonotomino and that's what it reminded me of of kind of this haunting, you know, slow yeah. piano kind of light string type of motif on top of, right, there being these kind of weird skeletal, you know, non-organic, like, imagery being presented on the screen, right? Things, like, Mm -hmm. kind of this, like, manufactured look to everything where you have, like, the Mm -hmm. skeleton being, like, sewed together and Mm -hmm. then you see, like, a horse being, like, created and then, like, a person riding the horse and -hmm. then, like, a revolver being put together that the person riding the horse is then, like, wielding. Yeah, And I think, yeah, that song even though I never watched an episode at all and I just listened to it once made me feel very off-put and obviously I think that's part of the show's premise of like the underlying themes to Westworld and I think by that nature of it I think the song does a very good job kind of giving me that inclination of like oh this show is gonna make me feel things or at least question things that I never thought about before.
1: And the the, you know all the skeletons and the like inorganic material being made into like mimicking organic material. That's like how they make their robots, how they make their androids, how they make their scenery and you know animatronics, etc. So that really set up the story of like, oh, this is strange. But your adjective of haunting is the perfect word. Like, I'm ashamed that I didn't come up with that. But yeah,
2: I kind of didn't want to talk about this today because. I want to have more of a time to talk about this when it's not so brand new. So I wasn't planning on talking about Returnal today. But Returnal's <laughs> a brand new game and I just have you to talk stop. about it now. So Yeah. <laughs> maybe slight spoilers, but really I don't think so. There right.
0: let's let's give a good pregnant pause.
2: Pregnant pause. If you don't want to know anything about this, just skip forward like two minutes. Give me two minutes. Okay. Bye. All right. So Returnal, (laughs) there's so many bosses in Returnal going through different biomes. There's so much like imagery about the main character's life. Uh, but there's one biome in particular to where you need to get to a certain place being very, very general still. Um, and you hear like this light organ playing Like, just, like, very, like, this light organ playing, like, this melody way in the distance. The further you go in this level, the louder that organ gets. Once you get to the boss, you realize that the boss is actually playing this organ. And literally, I stopped at the doorway because I was, like, like, I just, like, had almost this dread. Because it's, like, something about an organ, when you guys are talking about how the piano is haunting, it's crazy how just, like, certain instruments kind of put your mind into a, a different like mindset like it, it just has we have all these stories ingrained in our minds about organs just being more associated with like creepy things and so the whole boss fight is like loud organ playing and honestly I couldn't even hear myself shooting and it's just really awesome I showed Tiffany at work because I just like couldn't hold it in <laughs> anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but like there's so much lore that goes beyond it um that i won't won't touch into but it's cool how there's there can be so much storytelling with the game that is non-verbal completely because of the music so like the music because it's there you know what she feels like what she's thinking going into those boss fight because you feel those same things. And, and to me, I feel like that's when games turn into like a masterclass of storytelling that are really, I think games are the only medium that can really show that in a way when you're being the one making all those actions. Um, sure. You can, you can see that happen in TV shows and movies, but I feel like games, just the medium is perfect for it. Uh, it's where music can be way more impactful than any sort of dialogue between two people. That's the end of Returnal spoilers for now.
0: <laughs> All right, great. And I think that actually was like two minutes. So nice. good, uh, good warning there. Um, moving away from spoiler spoiler filled territory, uh, the next thing I want to bring up, and, you know, I've talked about my love for racing games on the pod before. Mm. You know, Derb Five. Uh, more recently, Rec fest That might come up, you know, in a future podcast. So nice. stay tuned for that. What a um, plug. Subscribe <laughs> on your podcast uh, streaming <laughs> service of choice. Uh, and the racing game I want to point out is Gran Turismo 4. And in particular, the open air to Gran Turismo 4. And this is something, again, I linked to my my co-hosts. And in particular, what's so great about this is that it's so, and especially when I booted the game for the first time, so this is this is on PS2, and I think it came out in 2005, uh, but I may be wrong about that. But uh, the song, the intro starts out, you know, obviously cinematic, but it starts out with this kind of you know, slow opera piece, right? Classical instruments in the background, a lot of opera lyrics, right? It's very deep. It's very, you know, you can feel the singer's energy. And it just does this sudden yet amazing transition from the opera into Panama by Van Halen. And, you know, I'm a fan of classic rock. I love that Mm -hmm. genre. But this transition going from this opera that is like you know written for the game right a brand new piece into just panama by van halen it just sets the tone for that game because the whole time you're in the operatic section it's just cinematics Mm -hmm. so you see like racers you see like pit crews on the side of the track and then the moment panama starts playing we transition to gameplay and you just see you know cars spinning out you see like a a Ford GT, you know, going off into the grass and then coming back on the track. And it's just this tonal shift that really gets you in the mood to be like, oh, man. You know, like grancher's mode, the real driving simulator. You're about to go into this, like, ready, you know, not to say it's, like, bare knuckle racing, right? Cause or white knuckled racing, excuse me. But you just go into this and you're ready to race. You're ready to hit the tarmac. You're ready to get first place. Aha, it rides. <laughs> uh <laughs> But it it just kind of gave me this renewed sense of like, oh man, you know, racing games, people typically think, oh, you know, racing might not be that fun, right? You, you kind of just, you go around a track, you know, the whole point is get first place. There's not a lot of like design there. But then also I think the music helps increase and amplify that experience. And I think, you know, that transition, especially Panama has just stuck with me so much that that opener was so great and got me excited to play the game.
2: Do Gran Turismo games generally have radios for when you're driving? Like, you're almost like turning the radio station?
0: Uh, no, but it was a fun feature. In Gran Turismo 5, uh-huh. they actually added a feature where you can import your own music from the console storage and play it while you're racing. Okay. So, Does it... I remember, particularly hmm. for Gran Turismo 5 on PS3... I actually stored a few K-pop songs onto the PS3 and oh. I was playing like I was racing to K-pop music like Love through it. the in-game sound system while like racing and it was like very natural and I'm like why like why don't more games and I know obviously there's probably licensing issues with that but it was just such a neat feature of just like hey you want to listen to your own music while racing like put it in this folder and the game will be able to read it and play it back for
2: you I, I love when racing games let you kind of choose from their, like, fake radio stations. Like, it all started with Need for Speed Underground 2, which is one of my favorite racing games of all time. Like, they had uh, Black Betty on, on that radio station. Like, would just keep repeating. You could repeat and you could, like, choose songs you like. Like, half of the playlist was Black Betty. I was, like, <laughs> 11. <laughs> um, anyway, it was a great time. But then, like, fast forward forza horizon i love that series like forza horizon one through four all of them have different radio stations where you have your classical radio station where it's like actual classical music you have like hip-hop you have electronic you have all these different so even if you have a certain genre you're not pigeonholed to you know have to sit through a cycled bit of music you could choose hey I'm going to listen to R&B, or hey, I'm going to listen to rap, or hey, I'm going to listen to this or that, or you could just do no music um, and listen to the cars, which sometimes, you know, it's nice to do that too, um, but I love in-game radio stations, which actually brings me to one of my favorite picks for music within games. Have either of you played the Fallout series?
1: No. no.
2: I
0: tried for i didn't really play a lot of it but i've like i'm familiar with fallout
2: okay um huge fan um i'm i'm a huge fan of fallout uh, the whole series fallout 3 was my first time in the fallout series like i guess series the universe yeah the universe um the coolest thing about it is that you have your pit boy and your pit boy will actually pick up radio stations within that universe And so, like, this is post-apocalyptic, and basically, there are people that have taken over the radio stations and have started or kept playing music. So, uh, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, uh, Fallout 4, all of them that I've played, you know, they have a radio station. Fallout 3, my favorite radio stations, you were just like, I would be playing in the middle of the night, like, 2 a.m., like shooting these zombies or like walking this wasteland all by myself. And because of like the lore of when the bombs dropped, all of the music is like 1950s. So like they're all real songs that came out in the 1940s, 1950s. But like this is like a futuristic. You have like aliens and you have alien guns and all these things, but you still have this time piece. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with Returnal. It's It's a way to tell a story without actually saying anything. Like, because this music is here tells you how they got to this place. And so it's just so much fun. And uh, Fallout 3 was one of my favorites because... Uh, The guy that led the radio station was an awesome character, like had a really good personality and um, really made you want to listen to that. But I have so many fond memories just walking around and Bethesda has a buggy game. Sometimes the games aren't pretty. Sometimes it's literally a barren wasteland. But you're walking through that and you're listening to like all these 1950 songs. It's so worth it. It's so good.
0: Yeah, I took a listen to the uh, link you sent us to YouTube with kind of a few, like the soundtrack for Fallout 3, Listen to some of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we weren't alive during that time, so mm-hmm. we technically shouldn't be familiar with these songs, but obviously, we're familiar with the sound of kind of that decade, right? Every, every decade has that kind of tune and feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just enjoyed it. You know, having not even played, but understanding the Fallout universe, and like you said, kind of having this literal like time capsule mm-hmm. being unearthed and being like, oh yeah, obviously this is where music stopped, right? Because the nukes went off and no one was making new music anymore. We didn't have this natural development to like what we quote unquote call music today you know Mm -hmm. obviously people might have opinions on what is being called music but (laughs) you know besides that uh yeah I really enjoyed it It, it, like as you mentioned it just adds to that atmosphere adds to that kind of time and honestly yeah a lot of the music from that time kind of has a certain like emotion to it Mm -hmm. and it it feels like it kind of contrasts with obviously the setting, right? Because it's you know post-apocalyptic. You know, there's a lot of radiation going on, a lot of like mutated things. But then you kind of have these like jaunty tunes going in the background, and it's mm-hmm. like, huh, you know, I-, I like the music, but I probably should be running for my life because this <laughs> yeah. radiated yeah. scorpion is running after me and trying to kill me.
1: Yeah, so um, one of the – I promise listeners that I do have some video game songs in here in my list eventually, but the next one I'm actually going to talk about, you know, Disney as a whole, the whole genre – I'm talking like classic animated films, even now the newly um, computer animated films have great iconic music. I could literally have an episode dedicated – or multiple episodes dedicated to all my favorite Disney songs. But I think, you know – one of the songs that really spoke to me a lot in the last decade was the scene in Tangled when um, Eugene and Rapunzel are sitting in the boat, releasing lanterns into the sky and they sing the duet. I can see the light. And it was such a beautiful scene. It is literally one of my, it is my favorite scene in that movie. And, you know, I, I have like, three different puzzles of that scene because like that picture is a moneymaker so like i (laughs) love putting that picture together and looking at my beautiful puzzle and then like breaking them up and doing it again later um except for one of them i'll like i've um put it i've like made it so that i Like could frame it. But anyway, so that song, I Can See the Light. I just think it's such a beautiful song about a girl who finally is exploring the world after being trapped in a tower for so long Mm -hmm. with a boy that she just met and has feelings for. It's just really beautiful. And even the two voice actors actually sing the song together, Mandy Moore and Zachary Levi. So I thought that was really sweet because you can like clearly hear their voices in in the song I mean because now of course in the last couple decades we've moved on to hiring voice actors that will also sing their counterparts because you know old school Disney would always have that like singing voice stand-in for a lot of the characters but I I just love that song so much and the lanterns in the sky with all the pastel sunsetting colors and stuff is just so beautiful
0: hmm yeah definitely I think Tangled is very underrated yes and Yeah, that that song in particular and kind of that scene as well feels not as appreciated. And obviously that goes with the whole underrated aspect, but not as appreciated as it should be. But in particular, I mean, if you want to appreciate it, it's in Kingdom Hearts 3. So shout out Kingdom Hearts a little early here. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3. Go play that and you can listen to I Can See the Light in that game.
2: And in Kingdom Hearts, you can also listen to Frozen, Let It Go, if you are still on that craze. Um, well, I,
0: I wasn't going to mention it, but you know. <laughs>
2: it's like the worst part of Kingdom Hearts um, <laughs> 3. I mean, I
1: like Let It Go, but uh, I don't... It's just so yeah, overplayed. I can with, see the light. This is like two episodes
2: better. in a row where we're trashing Frozen, which I'm fine with it. Let's keep it going for next week. <laughs> um... Actually, since you mentioned Kingdom Hearts, since you mentioned its name, we can't talk about Kingdom Hearts and not talk about the cinematic opening for Kingdom Hearts 1. This oh, opening song, when I, when I first played, like, one, you have no idea what this is about. Like, at one time, he's on a beach. Another time, he's underwater. Another time, he's falling. another Like, it, it doesn't make sense. And then you realize that's just Kingdom Hearts story. Uh, It's not supposed to make sense. (laughs) Um, But that song, I remember as a kid, I replayed that game so many times on PS2. There'd be times where this was, of course, before YouTube or maybe the means to get on YouTube. I would play the start of that game and then restart just so I could listen to that song again like simple
1: and clean for me it's just
2: so good it's the start of an adventure that you know you're gonna love when i replayed them on my xbox one uh two years ago now uh watching that again like or just like hearing that music the same music of kingdom hearts was just so good it's so good to me um i i love that cinematic opening it just made me feel like home almost
1: That song introduced me to the singer Utada Hikaru who like speaks Japanese and English fluently. So she speaks the Japanese or she sings the Japanese version of her song and the English version. And she's done the music uh, or the opening themes for the um, Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3 also. And Mm -hmm. I love all of them, but Simple and Clean, that song really like childhood memories to the max. And, you know, when I remember, like everyone knows I forced... My parents or or begged them to get us a PlayStation Two, and Kingdom Hearts was the game that we booted up immediately. When that when that scene came up on the screen, like oh god, I just was like so overexcited mm-hmm. about my new adventure. And even now, like when I hear that song, I get a little misty eyed sometimes because I just think about like just being in middle school and playing that game. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think for me it's the oldest song like from a game that I remember. Because obviously, you know, we mentioned in previous episodes, Tiffany and I had a Super Nintendo. And, you know, obviously we have a lot of, uh, you know, great classic games on there, right? Like uh, the Super Mario Brothers, you know, one through three, and you know, other games such as Super Jam. Tennis, NBA Jam. You know, <laughs> great. But I think the as as Matt and Tiffany have mentioned for me simple and clean as a song and kind of that also being the intro to the game, right. Playing in the opener just added so much to being like, I know typically these are supposed to try and tell you what the game's about, but as Matt mentioned, it really didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of just see these two people or sometimes three people, you know, in these random places and like, you don't know what's happening. But with this song playing in the background, I think kind of just sets the table of like, It's so different, right? Because a lot of the music, you know, later into the game is obviously Disney songs and uh, more kind of classical themes, right? For the battle music and everything. But yeah, just having those, you know, lyrics being played, you know, and the singer Utai Ikara, as Tiffany mentioned, singing both the Japanese and English versions of the song. So no matter, you know, basically Mm -hmm. we were playing, right? Creators Intent, right? With the Square developers being Japanese, just it kind of relaying what this crazy ride and what this, you know, really long journey, the beginning of this really long yeah. journey that we were going to go on. And yeah, it stuck with me as something that, you know, even, and people might think it's a heathen thing to say, but more memorable than Super Mario Brothers theme, like, at least to me personally, uh, just that song, like, for the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Mm. So.
2: I guess Mario didn't really have like a verbal song. Like it was just right. You know, it started do, in do, that 8-bit. Yeah. <laughs> that 8-bit era that it's just from jingles, you know, to something else. Um, it was really cool to see something like Final Fantasy 7 kind of that music playing that game Final Fantasy 7 originally a long time ago and then playing the remake this year. Kind of how they've changed that music to now more of like an orchestra accompaniment of that original music. Because the music back in the day, like as kids, we thought it was with orchestra and with like the best instruments. Meanwhile, they're like dings and bongs. Like they're not like anything special. Um, But yeah. Chip tunes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kind of like the start start of our podcast. (laughs) That's what they all sound like.
1: well when you bring up final fantasy that's like such a great segue because you know one of the most iconic sounds for me growing up was of course the victory song like hearing that in various forms throughout the final fantasy that was like, actually pretty good that yeah thank good. you thank you thank you i'm here all night so um the that song like you hear it and you're just like boo yeah i just want to fight you know what i mean like that's like when i was a kid playing final fancy 10 i heard that i got excited i'm like okay time to move on like got my level up or whatever uh got a new skill i can move on my sphere grid you know like try mm-hmm. to get all my abilities and stuff so i really i really do think that it's just really iconic to me and i have didn't actually realize that it was Literally, throughout the Final Fantasy history that it used a variation of that song, but it's it's great. i I like it a lot.
0: It really says something when just the outro like theme for a battle is that memorable? Yes, like something that seems very, you know, innocent and discreet that's like, oh yeah, you you fight in this game. And obviously, after every fight, right? you have to look at the loot you earned. But yeah, just this becoming so iconic as a short tune and right, obviously all the different variations they've made over the years of like, wow. Like how great does that mean the rest of the soundtrack is that this little bit can be that amazing, right? Like that just shows kind of if this this little short like purpose, the purpose of this song is so, I guess, minuscule, right? Albeit maybe it's also very large, right? Because you hear it after every battle. But the fact that that's so good, like, that just speaks volumes to what the rest of the soundtrack has, you know, possibilities of sounding like. On that note, I'm on, on talking about small things, but that I think play a big part for me personally. And kind of the last thing I want to uh, mention to my co-hosts here, but I didn't let them know beforehand. I don't know how they feel about it. But for me, I want to mention Captain Jack Sparrow's theme from Parts of the Caribbean. ooh, And just... For me personally, right, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes of the podcast and my, you know, love of Pirates of the Caribbean and just kind of the, you know, I guess you could say stereotypical like jaunt, giddiness, you know, what have you, how you would describe kind of a pirate theme may be. But just that style and tone that, you know, when you see Captain Jack Sparrow first come onto the screen, you hear that soundtrack from Hans Zimmer, right? You just get the like everything about it and everything about that series as a whole just the music is to me so iconic and something where i'm like if i think pirates mm-hmm. i hear those noises like everything from pirates of the caribbean like that like okay. that is like by like, definition what i think about and so i
1: think i know what you're talking about but like i thought that was the pirates theme i didn't know it was jack sparrow's theme
0: well i think a lot of the time they connect it with when he shows up Okay. So it's like it's not I guess it's not his theme in particular but just kind of like obviously when we start something that's about to happen they kind of like blast it there and eventually like during the theme you're going to see Sparrow. Like he's going to show somewhere doing mm-hmm. something, you know, drunk off his ass, you know, who knows. <laughs> but it's going to be a good time and I think I really love that and that kind of it helps define that series. And kind of the the attitude that you want to approach it with and kind of just like, oh, when I hear that, I know this is going to be a Pirates type of, you know, setting, theme, action, what have you.
1: It is very iconic. I would have definitely agree with you. I was literally about to hum it on here. I, I almost wanted to ask you to hum it. <laughs> I,
0: I, don't, I don't want more people to <laughs> <laughs> potentially come out and uh, try to take us down. So please, Square. Don't don't come after us, please, for that great fanfare rendition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, so, like, we keep on talking about a lot of iconic, you know, things, right? I mean, to be honest, a lot of things are very, or a lot of instrumentals are so beautiful to me, and they do have a lot of meaning, but I don't necessarily know the names of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why a lot of the memories that I'm bringing up are sort of the, like, maybe the opening themes or, like, um, theme, theme songs and everything. But one of the most iconic, like, songs from my childhood, I, I know both of you know, it's going to be the opening theme for Gen 1 of Pokemon, the animated show. Like, I want to be the very best. That no oh. one ever was. Like, that so was all I w- wanted to hear in the Pokemon Detective Pikachu. And we got it in in a way. Uh, but that song defined my, like, elementary school years. Loved watching the TV show. Loved what I, like, know 85% of the words still. Mm-hmm. um, And I like to sing it every once in a while. But i just i don't know it just gives me it's just like oh my gosh we're going on an adventure and like i love pokemon i love catching the pokemon one thing i have against the show though of course is like ash is just catching his pokemon for befriending them and i'm just like dude you got to weaken it and then capture it in a pokeball okay this isn't yeah are you this, new this here, here like a, ash yeah like, i'm like this is a utopia that you're living in because <laughs> i'm just like why can't i befriend my pokemon Um, And just catch him that way. Can I befriend this legendary (laughs) dog, Raikou? Like, come on. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I love that song.
2: I love that song as well. I also love the soundtrack from Pokemon, the first movie, which came out in 1999. Yeah. If you want to talk about a time capsule of the 90s, like we have Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, and Sync. 98 degrees, vitamin C, like Aaron Carter, he was a person you know back back then like Your there's pers- so <laughs> I
0: think he's a person now. He's nasty. a person now. You know, but like yeah. no one
2: talks about Aaron Carter. Um it's just man. But it starts off with the Pokémon theme, which is great. Um I love that theme. I think it's the most iconic theme song, honestly. Like I think there are yes. some great theme songs. But nothing hits like the Pokemon theme song. Like that 90s theme song is is what it's all about.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Talking about 90s, my last thing is from one of my favorite games of all time. It's not a song. It's not a soundtrack. But they're little sound bites i'm talking about banjo kazooie i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast probably have i feel like i talk about the same three games <laughs> <two shows laughs> every week uh but the best part about that game it's it's one of my favorites of all time definitely one of my favorites of then 64 rivaled my love for super mario 64 because every single character there's no voice acting, right? This is in 64. There's no voice acting. But instead, they made every single character a unique sound bite. So when you look at Banjo, when Banjo's talking, he's a bear. So he's like, you know, kind of clumsy. And so, like, what do they think that is? It's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Wait, and, why,
0: wait well, how are bears clumsy?
2: <laughs> you know, like, well, you know, Banjo as a bear. He's like this lazy, right. clumsy bear. And, you know, his his counterpart, Kazooie, is... Basically, this loud bird, and she's, she's like, me, 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 me. You know, like, there. every single character is like thoughtfully, you know, curated. looked at. Um, yeah. Alex, you kind of talked about, I think it's a trash can. It may not be a trash can that you're referring to, or maybe right after what you're referring to. Like, the trash can, like, almost has like burp sounds, and there's a pirate that, like, sounds almost like he's drunk and he's like hiccuping, and like, there's all these things this entire world that has probably at the time like tens to hundreds types of characters, all of them have unique noises, which is fantastic. Um, it just makes everything so much better. And it's something where they saw that they couldn't voice act at that time. But how do we go about that? And that's how they made it more personal. And it's something that still sticks with me to this day uh, because it's, it's something when I think about sound it's the first thing that came to my mind when you when you brought up this topic was like, I got to talk about Banjo-Kazooie because you can't talk about sound without talking about it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely like sound effects just... And I guess for Banjo in particular, just one word to describe it, like quirky. Oh, yeah. You, know? you just listen yeah. to that and everything's just quirky. And I, as you mentioned, right, it goes hand in hand. You know, I mentioned Mario before, you know, just like the sound effects for get, hitting a coin block and... Oh, yeah you know, mm-hmm. you know, getting a superstar, right, and being invincible for that period of time, all the sound effects. I totally agree with you back then. Like, before we got voice acted things, before we got actual, like, animated openers with, like, actually, like, orchestrated soundtracks or, mm-hmm. you know, singers singing actual songs written for the game. Like, yeah, it the audio initially was just like, here's a little blip or here's a little bloop. Even in Pac-Man, right, of mm-hmm. just... Waka waka uh, waka 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 waka. Yeah, well, not actually in the game, but the onomatopoeia of it, I guess. And like getting a power pellet and like the sound effect of like eating the ghosts while you're Mm -hmm. while you have the power pellet effect active. Yeah, it's just so good. And yeah, in particular for Banjo, it just fit that personality so much
2: because both of those characters are named after instruments like Banjo and a Kazooie. And so like music is all around, like every single pickup has a different thing. Like a feather has this like very light uh, sound to it. Like it sounds like what you would think of picking up a feather would be like if you had to play it with an instrument, you know what I mean? Not like the actual realistic, (laughs) like no sound, but like if you had to make it an instrument, what it would be like. And like classic 90s rare, They start off, like, if you don't touch your controller, you can watch this kind of, like, almost cinematic of them playing, like, all these instruments. I wish I linked it to you guys, because it's amazing. Um, Like, this is the preface to, or the the precursor to what would be Donkey Kong 64, and, like, the infamous or famous, whichever side of history you like to be on, uh, Donkey Kong 64 rap, which I love still to this day. Like, I listened to um, The Completionist. He was going through, like, a New Game Plus, basically collecting everything for Donkey Kong 64. As a collector myself, I love watching The Completionist. And then he, like, took a long portion of that video talking about the Donkey Kong rap, and I loved every minute of it. So good.
1: I I mean, I have fond memories of that song. Um, But my last... My last song that I wanted to talk about today that I also have a lot of fond memories of is one of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies, My Neighbor Totoro. The ending theme to the movie is like like one of the choruses, like Totoro, Totoro. And like that's like part of the course of the ending song. And that movie was just so beautiful to me, just about these two little girls and their dad moving to like a new area to be closer to their mom. Who's like not doing well and is at a hospital and just them like meeting a big forest creature named Totoro and like having these adventures with him. And when the movie was over, I was like devastated that my, that the movie was over, Mm -hmm. but the movie ended with like like almost like a a visual uh epilogue with this song playing in the background and it was just so jolly and happy that it really stuck to me and that um that little chorus bit like i think about that all the time when i see like studio ghibli movies and it also is really upbeat you know the story is kind of a little bit melancholy Uh, But it ends happily um, in terms of the story content. Like, Mm. obviously, I was very distraught that the movie was over. But uh, yeah, I, I love that song. And, you know, I originally watched the movie dubbed in English. So they actually translated the song and sing an English version so my first um my first like interaction with that song is in English but you know as I got older I I I now watch it in Japanese and so I mainly listen to the Japanese version of the ending credits (laughs) but the you know the the English version of the song is pretty okay I mean it's pretty good it's pretty good
0: all right and I think with that Just as uh, bittersweet as Tiffany feels about the ending to Totoro, we are coming to the end of this episode of the podcast.
1: (laughs) Our transitions today have been on fire. Like, I don't care what anyone says. We've been on point today.
0: So please write in to rxp.podcast at gmail.com and let us know, listeners, what songs, soundtracks, you know, sound bits, sound bites, sound effects, what have you that are memorable to you or you can tweet at us at arcsp_podcast underscore podcast and let us know that way you know we w- we want to encourage more uh listener interaction so in case uh you're willing to share we'd be glad to uh bring it up in a later future episode of the podcast but with that until next time
1: take care haunting pregnant paws